0: Alright guys, and welcome to Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? just want to welcome everybody to the show. It is uh, it is a beautiful day out there today, hopefully wherever you're at. Hopefully everyone made it through the, the winter wonderland that hit us last night. I know it's cold as shoot down here in Florida, but nothing compared to what the rest of the parts of the country is going through so everyone, hopefully everyone's made it through that safely. And they're able to listen to some podcasts. Because I got what I'm doing today is a part two in our series The Rise and Fall of Great Empires in History. Today's show is brought to you by Redcon One.com. Check them out. The link will be at the bottom of the podcast la- 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 podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Uh, click the link. Use the code T20Quartumist and uh, buy some stuff, man. Come on. Now, um, this is going to be part two in that series. Uh, I I know I said I didn't know how many parts it was going to be. I think what I'm doing is we did part one last week. This will be part two. Next Sunday, I'll do part three. And then we'll move on to another situation if you guys enjoy them so. Hopefully, you do and you find the the connections I'm trying to make in between the two because, um, you know, between the past and the current or the future because to me, it's very important. Um, I just want you guys to remember this quote. I mean, to me, it is very important to our future. And this quote, I, I said it on the last uh, show, not the last show, but the last uh, series of this. It was by George Santayana, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Now, of course, we know that in a more popular phrase that's uh, come, come around nowadays, and it's those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. So however you want to, whatever quote you want to use there, they're both consequential. I think the second one is obvious, you know, those who do not study history right if we don't study the past and i'm not talking about necessarily our past and that's why i'm doing this series i'm doing past empires like i told you guys in the last the last one these are the five greatest empires of mankind now obviously there've been other empires in between before during whatever but these were what 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 historians would label the best the 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 strongest you know and uh, we did last last show, we did the Persian and the Roman Empire. Today, we're going to delve into the Arabian Empire and the Mongolian Empire. Now, the Arab Empire, you might think, wasn't, wasn't in history books as much as, like, Mongolian. Like, when I say Mongolian, even Persian, you might have, okay, yeah, that sounds familiar. Obviously, Roman Empire. And then Mongolian Empire, you kind of make some hits and misses there. And then, obviously, on the next the next series of this, we'll do the British Empire, which is pretty obvious. And then, of course, I'm going to bring it all back together into the American Empire, which is what we are in right now. The The American Empire uh, is still going. Going. I don't want to say going strong, but it's still going. Um, how long will we sustain? I guess that remains to be seen. But... The whole point of this is most of these empires run two, three, four hundred years. The, the one I'm going to do here today is, is long, a little bit longer. But nonetheless, um, we're in that ballpark of, is this the end? Is this the beginning of the end? Is it just the middle? I don't know. But if you look at how a lot of these empires came to power and then came to failure, so to speak, it's very... Mirror image of what we're going through now. So that's my my part in this is, I believe, looking at these past empires and what they did wrong, I guess, and uh, are we following in those footsteps? Because I'm one to believe that we we as humans, not Americans, not any other country, that when you... When you think you're, you know, like I said in the last last one, I said, you know, we think we're better than everybody. And I'm not saying we're not. We're American, right? It's America. But are we entitled to make everyone else America? No. Let them be what they want to be. Let us do us. Why do we, I, I don't know. I just want to be left alone and, you know, we can be an empire or whatever. That's cool. But, uh. Like I said, empires, the rise of anything, what goes up must come down, so to speak, right? All right, so the first one, or the third one in this series, what we're going to talk about is the Arab Empire. It's also known as the Caliphate, which is probably a more familiar term to most people nowadays. Um, now, um, this was a political uh, entity founded by the Muslim prophet Muhammad. Um to read into this here. Okay. So, one of the most significant uh, significant events in history happened in the early sev- uh, 7th century in the deeper interior of the Arabian Peninsula. The introduction of this of the new religion Islam to the world by the Prophet Muhammad united numerous warring A- A- Arab tribes. With their newfound religious fever, uh, Arab armies marched forth to spread the word of Islam. Arab envisions of surrounding lands resulted in the establishment of one of the largest empires in history, the Arab Empire. In the major Arab trading city of Mecca, Muhammad was born around 570. A member of the Quraysh tribe, Muhammad means highly praised in Arabic. Muhammad never knew his father, and his mother died when he was six years old. Abu Talib, Muhammad's paternal uncle, raised him to adulthood. Without a normal family and limited financial support, Muhammad was forced to work hard in his early years to support himself. He performed various jobs such as uh, tending sheep, cleaning buildings, and selling different trade goods. He eventually was hired as a trade agent by a rich widow named sorry. Representing her business interests, Muhammad traveled throughout Arabia and nearby lands. During his travel, Muhammad came into contact with and became interested in foreign peoples and religions. Muhammad met Catholic Christians in Syria, which was part of the Byzantine Empire. In uh, other areas, he met Jews and Ethiopian Christians. During discussions with peoples from those faiths, he became uh, he came to know of God and the prophets of the Bible, Jesus, Moses, and Abraham, and others of the Christian and Jewish religions. Muhammad married Khadijah and was faithful to her for her remaining uh, 25 years of life. His marriage to the wealthy Khadijah allowed Muhammad more personal leisure time. In the year 610, Muhammad traveled to Hira, and while sleeping in a nearby cave, was awakened by an angel, according to Muhammad's first biographer. Uh, Muhammad claimed that he spoke with the angel, and that later he was spoken to by the angel Gabriel. Muhammad was convinced over time that he was destined by Allah, which is Arabic for God, to honor Allah, and that he should share the world of Allah, with the world, Muhammad began preaching publicly in Mecca in 613. Gradually, through his hard work and turmoil, the new religion of Islam grew in acceptance, strength, and power. Okay, before I read on, interesting here. So, in his travels, he um, talked with Christians and Jews and different. and So, I. How can I put this without disrespecting the Islam religion? Um, it's interesting. Okay, so, um, he supposedly spoke to angels, spoke to Gabriel, and he, you know, he was destined by Allah to honor him and spare the word, and he started doing that in 613. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, that's probably a story for another day. I might have to do some more research on that, but nonetheless. Okay, so following the death of Muhammad in 632, believers of Islam, in search of new coverts to Islam and plunder, surged out of the Arabia uh, to conquer surrounding lands. Territories ruled for centuries by the mighty Bezatine, Beza, Bezatine empires and the Persian empires were quickly overwhelmed. Key lands such as Syria, Egypt, Persia, North Africa, Palestine, Iraq, Armenia, Afghanistan, India, Spain, came under control of the new Arab Empire. For 600 years, Islam was the most potent and vital religion, culture, and military force in the world. The Arab Empire was ruled by successors of Moha- uh, Muhammad. These leaders were known as the Caliphies. The um, political religious state of the Muslim community and the peoples and lands under their control were known as the caliphate. The first Caliphs were Abu Bakr, Umar, Utham, and Ali. The assassination of Utham and the ineffectual and tumultuous reign of Ali contributed to the first major split within the Muslim communities. That resulted in two major groups of Muslim believers, the Shi'i and the Sunni. Mohai, a member of the Utham's Umayyad clan, skillfully took over the caliphate and um, established the Umayyad Empire, which lasted about until 750. Many considered the uh, years of rule by the Umayyads um, to be the golden age of the religion of Islam. The religion was thoroughly analyzed, embellished, and documented, and translated widely. Peoples from new, newly conquered lands were converted to the new faith by millions. So during the Golden Age of uh, Islam, you had um, the caliph uh, Huran al-Rashid. He presided over the uh, golden age of Islam uh, moved to the capital of the Arab, or he, I'm sorry, moved the capital of Arab empire from Damascus to an ancient village called Baghdad, about 20 miles from the former Persian capital of Chifasan. This site was clo- um, chosen as it dominated the intersection of the great trade routes along um, I'm sorry, along the empires and beyond. Commerce trade, riches flowing through the Abbas empire, trade, new buildings, and uh, medicine were more flourished, great caravans. So, I mean, you know, they, in the early 600s or the mid-600s, they created this empire around religion of Islam based on what Muhammad said, essentially very interesting because i mean i guess you could say the same thing about jesus christ right we believe people that follow christ believe that he saw what he saw and did what he did and we believe that he create you know there was miracles there was things he had followers and um muhammad essentially did the same thing just 600 years later right and uh, I would say, as big as Christianity is, Islam's bigger is a bigger religion. Um, so the people really followed after the teachings of Muhammad and still do. I mean obviously there's still people that follow Jesus Christ and, and his teachings in the Bible. Um, it's very interesting how the two religions, as different as they seem, are very similar. And, and that goes for even Judaism. I mean, they're all kind of basically the same. It's just kind of how you want to interpret the Bible and or the Quran or, you know, whatever you want to decipher. All right, so the end of the Arab Empire. Over the years, the Arab Empire proved difficult to control from Baghdad. And this was similar to the Persian Empire, which was based in the same general area, if you think about it. And it was such a expansive empire, you know. If your if your capital was Baghdad, which was I'm pretty sure the same for Persia in that in that vicinity, anyway. Um, and it stretched all the way from India to um, Spain. That's pretty good distance. And back then, that was that was it. There was no America. I mean, as far as they knew, there was no North South America. There was it was it. That was it. There was Europe, Africa. Asia, that was it. The 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 rest of the map that we know didn't exist back then. I mean it did, but it didn't, if that makes any sense. <laughs> um so in in layman's terms for for that time in history, they ruled the majority of the population. But um as you like I said, as you spread out, you run into different factions, different tribes, um, different Muslim, Islamic extremists, which is kind of similar to what they're dealing with now. Um and then of course you had the Christian crusades also in this time frame. So it was just a constant battle. And then as you spread out um and you you're in the edge of the uh the um Asia into you know to India and over that way, you're running into another um soon to be <laughs> empire. Um but interestingly enough, um the uh the rise and fall, so the rise was brought to you by essentially religion, um and military might. So look at America. Back in the 1700s, Um, once we declared our independence, we were a very uh, Christian-oriented country, right? Now, granted, the Declaration or not Declaration, but the Constitution, you know, the First Amendment, you can practice whatever religion, whatever. It was kind of a we were trying to be all inclusive. We we were woke before woke was cool, right? I guess I mean, even though people don't want to believe that, it kind of is because realistically back in those days <laughs> is unwoke as we've seen with slavery and whatever and men can only own property and such and such I get it um even even then the things that we did as a country and let our people do we were more quote unquote woke than the rest of the world was at that time that was kind of the whole point of declaring independence um and then the fall of this em- empire wasn't necessarily due to the, like the last two empires I talked about, the fall of those empires were based around uh, political infighting, um, overtaxation, inflation, uh, those things, which you don't think about. Like you think Roman Empire, you think Persian Empire, you think they're trading beans and horses for, you know, whatever. And and they still had currency. It might not have been currency like we know of it today, but they still had gold and they they had currency they had taxes they had those things they had to pay it might have been in a different form that we're used to dealing with t- today but it was it is what it is you know inflations inflation taxes tax however you pay those things you know depends on the time now in this case the fall of this empire was that they were too big for their own good so to speak um and the biggest the biggest um uh, thing that took them down was is actually the next empire that we're going to speak of the um, powerful and seemingly unbeatable mongols surged in to the Abbasid territory in 20 i'm sorry in 12 and the great khan as we know is uh, genghis khan right so no I'm sorry it wasn't Genghis Khan this was Magillikati Khan I'm sorry the leader of the Mongol armies ordered the invasion and destruction of Abbasid Persia his order was achieved with great veracity in 1258 the Mongol Khan seized the territory and destroyed Baghdad and the Abbasid dynasty collapsed completely time frame recognizes the end of the Arab Empire from 1258 onward Islam and Arab culture knowingly and influence would continue to grow under the Mo- Muslim rulers. Eventually, the Ottoman Turks would control most of the Muslim world, and the Ottoman Caliph would rule from uh, Constant, Constant, Jesus, Constantinople, in Turkey. So, you've heard of the Ottoman Empire. So, the reason that's not considered one of the great, quote unquote, great empires was. Um, These empires that we speak of are expansive. So the Ottoman Empire essentially was the Middle East. You know, it spread through, it spread, it grew and shrunk, but it was all in the Middle East. It was all basically from, say, Egypt to Afghanistan, maybe, that vicinity. Not that it wasn't a big area, but it wasn't like the Arab Empire, which from Spain to india you see what i'm saying so it was two or three times the size of the ottoman empire and also at this time like you also had like i said the mongol empire they dominated all of asia into russia and then and we'll get into them right now i don't want to dwell on that (laughs) so the mongol empire of the 13th and 14th century so before i read on with them they um They, uh, the first one, the Persian empire was what I think 250 years. I think the Roman empire was about the same 300 years, somewhere around there. So the Arab empire was around 600 years, give or take. Now, some would say, depending on where you're, where you're at, the Arab empire still exists. The caliphate still exists. That's part of the things we're dealing with today in the middle East that we really, in my opinion, we really shouldn't be dealing with. We shouldn't worry about that. But that's the American empire in us, or in the leaders, I should say, that can't let it be. See, the idea of these empires, if you if you recall, the three that we've done now, it's all about spreading their ideals across the land, whether those ideals are religion, uh, the way of life, you know, whatever it is, they're all basically the same and you're intruding on these people's beliefs and what they feel and they get pissed off. And that's why when we, we deal with the stuff we deal with in the middle East, because they still believe that they are the Arab empire, the Muslims and the, the, um, the Islamic state are those people. And you know whatever who is it whose business is it is it of ours to tell them any differently um at any rate, so the Mongolian Empire was um of the thirteenth and fourteenth century, so it was um, eleven well the uh, highest contingency uh land empire in history, so they originated in East Asia and they ended up stretching. From the Sea of Japan to parts of Eastern Europe. So the map I have here is basically all of China, some of Russia, down into what we would know as North Korea, um, Southern Asia, Afghanistan, North India, into the Middle East where, say, uh, Iraq, Iran... um, it pretty much looks like they go up to about the border of the peninsula, the uh, Saudi peninsula and Turkey. And then into, uh, so those were what would have been the Ottoman Empire at this time. Um, but like I said, they obviously land for the Ottom- Ottoman Empire wasn't the thing. So that's why they're not one of the great empires. And then looks like it went into parts of Europe, probably about to where... Yugoslavia is give or take Poland somewhere around there um, so um, and they extended northward northwards into parts of our uh, the Arctic um, <clears throat> the Mongol Empire merged from the uh, unification of several nomadic tribes in the Mongol homeland under the leadership of Genghis Khan so this was um, early or I'm sorry late 1100s. Into 1200, the, uh, whom the council proclaimed as the ruler of all Mongols in 1206. The empire grew rapidly under his rule, and that of his descendants who set out invading armies in every direction. The vast transcontinental empire connected with the east and the, with the west to the Pacific and the Mediterranean. Um, in the and enforced Pax Mongolic. Allowing the dissemination and exchange of trade, technologies and commodities, and ideologies across Eurasia. The Empire began to split due to wars over succession, as the grandchild children of Genghis Khan disputed whether the royal line should follow from son to their initial heir, or from one of his other sons, um, such as Tolu. Chagatia or Joki. I'm sure that's not right, but it looks like Joki. <laughs> the Toludes prevailed after a bloody purge and uh, between the other two factions, but disputes continued among the descents of the Tolu. A key reason for the split was a dispute over whether the Mongol Empire should would become a sedentary cosmopolitan empire or would stay true to the Mongolian nomadic and steep based lifestyle after the mongol khan died um rival councils simultaneously elected different successors the brothers <coughs> um you know they fought each other they had a civil war in uh, late two, uh, 1200s they also dealt with challenges from descent from other sons of Genghis. so basically their their rise was military their fall was family <laughs> But well, let's see how Mr. Khan, uh, Genghis, as his friends would call him, <laughs> let's see how he came to be who he was. So known, known during his childhood as Temujin, Genghis Khan was the son of a Mongol chieftain. As a young man, he rose very rapidly by working with the Tugurul clan of the Kirate The most powerful Mongol leader at the time was the Curate. He was given the Chinese title Wang, which means king. <laughs> Demujin went to war against Kurtate, uh, now Wang Kang, Wang Khan. I'm sorry. <laughs> After Demujin defeated Wang Khan, uh, he gave himself a name, gave him, him, Jesus Christ, can I talk? Gave himself the name Genghis Khan. He then enlarged his Mongol state under himself and his kin. The term Mongol became, uh, came to be used as, to refer as the Mongolic-speaking uh, tribes under the control of Genghis Khan. His most powerful allies were his father's friends, Kharid, Chieftain Togurul, and Temujin's childhood uh, friend, uh, Jamuka, and uh, of the Jadran clan Jadran clan (laughs) with their help Temujin defeated the Merak tribe uh, rescued his wife Bort and went on to defeat the, the Namans and the Tatars Temujin forbade looting of his enemies without permission and he implemented a policy of sharing spoils with his warriors and their families instead of giving it to all the aristocrats These policies brought him into conflict with his uncles, who were also legitimate heirs to the throne. They regarded Temujin not as a leader, but as an insolent usper. Um, The dissatisfaction spread to his generals and other associates, and some of the Mongols who had previously been allies broke their allegiance. War ensued. Temujin and his forces, still loyal to him, prevailed, defeating the remaining rival tribes, Between 1203 and 05, and bringing them under his uh, sway in 06, Temujin was crowned as the Kagan, or the empire, of the Yankee Mol... not Yankee, Yakahi Mongol Ulus, or, I'm just going to read it, the Great Mongol State, how about that? The uh, General Assembly Council was also, was there to ensure... And assume that the title of Genghis Khan universal leader instead of one of the old tribal titles such as Gur Khan or taya Khan remarking the start of the Mongol Empire so basically what happened was you had once Genghis Khan had passed away you had continuing fighting amongst uh, brothers sons of brothers brothers of brothers mothers of brother you know it was as as you have kids, and they have kids, and like I said, this empire lasted for 350 years, roughly. You know, how many generations of kids, and if you have multiple kids, do you, um, are, or is there just going to be constant fighting? I mean, anyone that has a brother, sister, or multiple, or cousins, or whatever the case may be, you have a a situation of constant... Battles of- I mean nothing like this, obviously, but everybody wants to be the one, so you had you know brothers and brothers you know they created their own factions, so a lot of civil wars, and it was such a expansive um empire that and this was you know the twelve hundreds thirteen hundreds, so it's not like nowadays where you have t v and news and internet and whatever you can kind of keep track of somewhat of what's going on everywhere. Back then it was all, you know, horseback essentially. They didn't have trains and shit yet, you know? So, um, it was a little harder to keep control of your entity. So like if you're Genghis Khan or if you're his descendant, if you're his, like he dies and his son takes over, but if, um, as, as you have more relatives, And then you say, okay, well, you go run this part of the empire, and you go run this part of the empire, and you go run this part. Well, then they're going to think they're the great one, and so on and so forth. So you have a lot of infighting, so to speak, which would lead to civil wars. And it was civil wars by tribes. It wasn't north versus south or whatever, you know. And it had nothing to do with anything more than we wanted to be in power instead of you. But um, over the years of their empires they did do some things i mean now when you when you think if whatever you know or don't know of the mongolian empire and Genghis khan they were very brutal empire right they ruled by by strength and you kind of either got along or you died there was no uh there was no in between because if you didn't if they conquered your land and then you didn't fall in line so to speak they killed you they didn't care what you thought <laughs> you know what i'm saying you didn't have choice and um the empire like i said ran to the early 1500s you're talking even to this day there's still parts of china that they call mongolian china you know and there's mongols that still live in this part of china china um so it's very interesting the the lineage uh lineage and the history of these families i'm sure there's still people that are related to these to this family in china something interesting that i did find <laughs> um so back in the uh let's see so i guess this was the late 1400s so uh, moscow had rose to prominence so, you know, Moscow, obviously, we know is the capital of Russia, right? But in these times, most of what we know as Russia was under Mongolian rule. And the out, even into eastern, I'm sorry, western Russia, same difference. But the region of uh, Moscow had rose to prominence while it was still under the rule of the Mongolian Empire. Sometime after Russian rulers were accorded they the, uh, they were made like tax collectors for the Mongols uh, in that area. The fact that Russians collected tribute and taxes for the Mongols meant the Mongols themselves rarely visited the lands in which they owned. The Russians eventually gained military power, and their ru- ruler, Ivan III, which was also known as Ivan the Great, completely overthrew the Mongols and formed the Russian Sardom. Um... After the great stand on the uh, Ugra River proved that the Mongols were vulnerable, the Grand Duchy of Moscow gained independence. So, and kind of goes back to my bully rhetoric. You know, if if the bully's the Mongols and you stand up to the bully and you beat him, you know, and this was the late 1400s. So, this was probably the start of the demise. I mean, you had the infighting, and in this situation you had the mongols that put another faction not even a family related in charge of collecting their taxes and um (laughs) they didn't even bother to go check on them so that's helped them gain power um but um europe's knowledge of the known world was Immensely expanded by the formation of uh, what was brought back to the ambassadors and merchants when Columbus sailed in uh, 1492. His his mesh, his mission was initially to go to uh, Cathay, uh, the land, and where the Great Khan in China, and give him a letter from the monarchs, Ferdinand of Argonne and Isabel of Castile. Um, the interesting part was that. Um, some studies have shown that the black death, so like the black death, the black plague, whatever you want to call it, um, back in the, uh, so when was this? The 1340s. So what was the black plague was also known as the bubonic plague, right? Um, had traveled from China (laughs) to Europe along the trade routes of the Mongol empire. And in 1347, the, um, Genoa, Genoa sea, uh, processor of Kafi, the great trade emporium on the Crimean uh, Peninsula, came under siege by an army of Mongol warriors, by the command under the command of Janabug. After the protracted siege, during which the Mongol army was com- com- reportedly withering from disease, they decided to use the infected corpse as a biological weapon. Hmm. So, <laughs> now this was. Uh, 1,347, so you're talking, what, 800, 750, 780 years ago, whatever. Um, so things in China just don't change, right? <laughs> Constantly using biological weapons to fuck with people. And some some reports would say that the total numbers of death from this pandemic estimated to be at 75 to 200 million. Um, some researchers... See, You know, so this is just from this plague. Um, And there was 50 million deaths in Europe alone just from this situation. Because as they infected, you know, as they were chucking these people over the walls and whatnot through catapults, they fled on ships and they got sick and da-da-da-da-da, right? Um, But it's interesting, though. In addition to this, the Mongol Empire in general is estimated to be the cause of anywhere the research then no one agrees with this. Cause obviously back then you didn't have record keeping like you do nowadays, but they're saying anywhere from 30 to 80 million people were killed by the hands of the Mongolian empire over the, over their reign. Um, now and that's not from this black plague. That's just from conquering lands. Um, so they were a very brutal, um, empire. Like I said, they ruled by force. And you either got along or you you died. And basically, unlike the first two empires that we talked about, where a lot of their demise was infighting, obviously, that's kind of been the consensus along all of these. Too much spread out, too, too far, too much infighting, so on and so forth. The first two empires kind of fell by the wayside because of that and financial situations, whereas these two was mainly, they were so big of empires. They were both... Very large land wise empires that they they just couldn't control themselves, and like I said, as you spread out and you have leaders and it's kind of similar to what we're seeing today um, we have a quote unquote leader right in Biden, and he's obviously not the one in charge, so as you have other people in charge or kind of subcharged the it's similar to what's going on right now with right now you have the situation in Ukraine and Russia. You have a situation of, um, the phone call, right? I talked about on the show on Friday that, uh, they, um, they're saying that the, um, you know, Biden was saying, Oh, you guys are screwed. Russia is going to come in there and do whatever. And the, the, Prime Minister or whatever he is of of Ukraine President of Ukraine is like uh, No, that's not You guys need to quit doing that You need to quit spreading misinformation Or fake news or whatever the case may be Because you're scaring the shit out of our people And there's nothing really going on Same situation It's just in a different scheme Back in these days Obviously there wasn't news media There wasn't internet, there wasn't Twitter There wasn't Facebook, there wasn't whatever Um, To spread your misinformation There was Word of mouth, so to speak, you may have ever, ever played the the secret game where you sit in a circle with you know ten people or whatever and you tell the secret to the person to your left and then they're supposed to tell the secret around the circle and when it comes back to you, it's a totally different story it's the same basic situation and uh, and in this case, the circle was half the world, so these two different empires were so large they couldn't control the secrets because you couldn't just hop on a plane and go fly to wherever and talk to whomever. You know, it, it took a minute to get to where you were going. How does that translate to today? I don't have a freaking clue. No, <laughs> it's very sim- similar situation. Basically misinformation. If we constantly, we as, as people, as Americans, and I, and like I said, this isn't an American thing. This is a world thing, but we're, we this is don't trade on America. So we're worried about America, right? Um, If we continuously listen to one one faction of news, whoever the news is, however you get your news, whatever that is, please do me this favor, if nothing else. Spread out your your information and do your own analysis. Don't just listen to me here talk about whatever because I'm giving you the news as I see it. Don't just watch Fox because they're doing the same thing. Don't listen to CNN because they're doing the same thing. Spread out. Listen to all of them. I mean, as bad as Twitter and Facebook is, if you follow different entities on those platforms, you can get different versions of their news, and then kind of come up with your own conclusion. Um, some of the best, <laughs> some of the best stuff you can get is off of some of these different people's Substacks, really, because they're not uphold to a to a uh, media or. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say here. Like a, 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 sponsor. You know, they're their own person. They they just they're they're. These are journalists that kind of have their own thoughts, and even there, it's still going to be their thoughts. It's not, it's not going to be a hundred percent independent of. But they're not going to be held down by the bureaucracy of of corporate entities. Because whether you watch Fox or CNN or MSNBC, whoever you watch. These are all corporate news companies, right? Corporations own those news companies. I mean, that's kind of why I like Fox because really their corporation is the news whereas, you know, MS, you know, NBC is Universal is, you know, is, you know, the uh CNN, it's all corporate based news. ABC's, you know, run by Disney and so on and so forth. So their news is swayed by the ideals of the corporation but that's why Fox is good because if you and I'm not here talking for Fox and this isn't a Fox commercial but they have different entities on Fox just like CNN and whoever else does but you watch CNN and no matter who you watch on CNN the story is basically the same it's just a different word it's different voice saying the words because the words are all basically the same At least on Fox, you have different entities that have their own ideas of what, whatever. And some of them don't agree with each other. And that's cool, you know. But nonetheless. So in this situation, you two empires fall basically from family infighting, essentially. A lot of misinformation. A lot of... And they were basically too big for their own good. Now, next week, we're going to get into the British Empire which was probably the the biggest empire from a an expansive territory I mean obviously the mongolian empire was big in the sense that it was one contingent uh landmass of of um of an empire you know it, w- there was no break so but obviously back then the they just start kind of got into the <laughs> like boat travel obviously they had boats and shit back then but not to the extent of what you see nowadays obviously but not to even what the extent you saw in the 1500s and that's kind of when the british empire started to come to power but we'll get into that next week and then hopefully i can bring it all together into the american empire and uh we'll go from there guys i just um Please check out the website. Go to DontTreadOnAmerica.com. From there, you can check out all the social media platforms. On Facebook and Instagram, that's tread On Twitter, it's DTom underscore 1775. And on, if you want to follow me on the uh, ticker talker, <laughs> and uh, give me a shout out there. Just give me a follow at all those places. And uh, please, guys, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, if you could share this with your friends, if it's on Apple, if you could give me a five-star review, that'd be awesome. And uh, like I said, but most importantly, no matter what podcast app you're listening to us on, you share this with your friends. And I've said this time and time again, if you're listening to us on Apple and your friend has an Android, we're on Google Play. If you're listening to us on an Android device, We're on Apple, and if for whatever reason they don't have (laughs) either one of those devices, which I don't think that's possible, but not have one of those two operating devices, nonetheless, Stitcher, iHeart, Amazon, Spotify, Podbean, we're everywhere. The only thing I'm not on is Pandora, and like I said time and time again, fuck Pandora, right? All right, guys, with that being said, don't forget to please check out the final part of this series next sunday um but other than that i will be back here on wednesday to give you same more late breaking new news reason i like doing these series on sundays is because if i hit everything on friday and nothing really breaking happens over the weekend there's really no need to me regurgitate the same shit that i talked to you about on friday so that's why i'm going to keep these series going and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy them and share them with your friends Other than that, you guys have a great day, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday.